Well, now we turn to a place where we see God's truth. We turn to God's word, the Bible. And in Jeremiah chapter 28, 5 through 9, we find our first reading for today. Then the prophet Jeremiah replied to the prophet Hananiah before the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. He said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied by bringing the articles of the Lord's house and all the exiles back to this place from Babylon. Nevertheless, listen to what I have to say in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. From early times, the prophets who preceded you and me have prophesied war, disaster, and plague against many countries and great kingdoms. But the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his prediction comes true. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. And our second reading for today is from Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 42. These are Jesus' words. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, the great Amen. Amen. One time a husband stepped onto one of those arcade scales that are at carnivals. And uh, usually these, these scales, they not only tell you your weight, but sometimes they spit out uh, one's fortune. And they used to be only a quarter when I was a kid. I don't know how much they are now. But this guy steps on the scale and he calls his wife, hey, look at this, honey. And he shows her the small white card that pops out of the machine. It says that I'm energetic, bright, and resourceful. Yeah, his wife nodded. And it has your weight wrong, too. (laughs) Sometimes the truth is difficult to take. In our Old Testament passage that you you heard read a few minutes ago, we have a story about the God of truth. Uh, In this lesson, it depicts an interesting showdown between two prophets. Uh, It's a story which many of you may not be familiar with. Uh, Jeremiah is the godly prophet who speaks of God. Earlier, he says, this is what the Lord says. And yet, Jeremiah is challenged by an angry, false prophet named Hananiah, who also claims to speak the word of God. And earlier in the chapter, we are told that they are squaring off against each other in the temple in front of lots of other people and priests. 
Well, our text makes it clear that one of the prophets is right and one of them is wrong. One speaks the truth of God. One is speaking falsehoods. Uh, Hananiah uh, seems to be sincere, uh, but he's not speaking the truth. He declares supposedly uh, earlier before this that all those who were taken into captivity into Babylon when, when Judah was defeated uh, would be returned within two years. Jeremiah, speaking for God, the truth, says that as a result of their disobedience, it's not going to be two years. It's going to be 70 years. Hananiah says all the holy articles of the temple worship would, would be returned back to Judah again within two years. Jeremiah, speaking truth from the Lord, says that these vessels would stay there for 70 years. And finally, Hananiah says that Jehoiachin, the son of Jehoiakim, who was the king, taken into captivity in Babylon, would be returned to Jerusalem in fine shape in just two years. Jeremiah says, no, Jehoiachin is going to die right there in captivity. This is when Jeremiah, the true prophet of God, says these interesting words. He says, amen, may the Lord do so. Now, Jeremiah uses that familiar word, amen, but he's using it tongue-in-cheek, that he too would love to believe these words, that their captivity would be shortened. But they are not true, and they are not from God. It's as if Jeremiah, the prophet, is mocking the false prophet Hananiah because what he is prophesying is not from God. It's not true. It's not a real amen. Jeremiah then says, he says, the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent from God only if the predictions are true and from the true God. Well, I want to take a little bit more time to talk about that little word that Jeremiah spoke and the word that you heard about in the children's message, the word that is often ritualized as a conclusion to our prayers. Uh, I remember when I was uh, a kid, I used to think when you hear the word amen, it's time for lunch. And I thought that was great, okay? <laughs> but what does amen mean? It means yes, it's true, it shall be so. In fact, the Hebrew and Greek words for amen in the Bible appear hundreds of times. And when the word amen, or sometimes we say amen, is used, it most often refers to that which is true and faithful. There are 25 solemn occasions in the Old Testament when the word amen is used as an exclamation point praising God for what he did. Isaiah, in, in the prophet in Isaiah 65, calls the Lord the God of amen, the God of truth. And then we go to the New Testament. Stay with me here because Jesus uses the word amen in a most striking way. He introduces his teachings nearly 70 times in the Gospels by using the word amen, lego himen, which is normally translated, truly I say to you. Whereas the prophets would begin by saying, thus says the Lord, Jesus, and when he goes against the grain of those around him, he's fond of beginning by using the word amen, the word for truth. The NIV translates it, I tell you the truth. It's another way of Jesus saying, I'm not just speaking for God, 
I am God. I am the God of truth. And then you go to places like John 3, where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about being born again of water and the Spirit, and however, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus then appear, uh, he, he, he doesn't appeal to the authority of Scripture, but he appeals to his own authority because he is God. And that's why he says not once but twice, amen, amen, I say to you, or as the King James we used to say, verily, verily, I say unto you. You see, Jesus Christ is the very God of truth. And that's why it shouldn't be surprising to us that one time when the disciples' hearts were troubled, when they knew that Jesus, when Jesus had told them that he would have to die on a cross, that Jesus said, you know where I'm going and you know how to get there. And Thomas said, Lord, we're not sure we don't, know where, we don't even know how to get there. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Why is Jesus the truth? You see, as the sinless son of God, everything that he said in his ministry embodies the truth. But then as the truth, our Lord did something totally against what you might think would be the nature of God. Not only did he humble himself, taking the form of a human being, of a servant, but then he took all the falsehoods, all the deceits, all the evil, the sin of this world upon himself when he suffered the punishment of that on a cross. And why did he do it? He did it for love. And in giving his life on the cross and then rising again on the third day, he defeated sin and every deceit. So that now, as the Bible says, whoever trusts in him, whoever puts their faith in him, will have the truth of God's grace for eternity. You see, as Jesus Christ lives, so truth lives. Then we go to the Apostle Paul. You know, in many of the epistles of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul invites his readers to say, Amen, to the very promises of God. A doxology, in fact, often appears at the end of his letters, completed with the word, Amen. And then we say the, see the same thing in the last book of the Bible, John's Revelation. The final words of the final book of Scripture says, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And then the grace of our Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. You see, God is the God of Amen. Do I hear an amen? All right. One of the interesting exchanges that takes place in Scripture is between Jesus and the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. It was at his trial that Pilate is finding himself in a position in which truth is just so obvious, but it's inconvenient, it's unpopular. And so, looking for some way to avoid the problem of truth, Pilate questions Jesus as John records in chapter 18. Pilate asks Jesus, are you a king then? Jesus answers, you are right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this very reason I was born. And for this reason I came into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate asks Jesus, what is truth? After he asked the question, he goes right out to talk to the Jews and says to them, I find no fault at all in him. 
You see, Pilate tries to pretend that the truth is either non-existence or unknowable. It's a reaction, though, that is so typical, isn't it? And it's the way the world, you and I, have been reacting so oftentimes ever since the fall of Adam and Eve into sin. But I have to tell you, it's especially popular in our time today. Truth is, the, is central to the very character of God. And yet I don't have to tell you that we live in a world that has truth deficiency. We retain the word truth, but its meaning has become twisted or truncated and even tortured. Truth has become whatever makes me feel good or gives me personal satisfaction. The Apostle Paul, under the Holy Spirit, aptly describes exactly what we see in and around us in our world today. In Romans 1.25, it says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. Just for a moment, I want you to imagine a world that didn't contain truth. Think about a world where truth is whatever you want it to be and whatever you want it to make it. Think about it as you're driving down the road. If there are no standards of truth, what would happen when you get to a stop sign? Well, maybe today I don't feel like I want to stop. I'm just going to go right through. Or what would happen when you, when you get to our famous roundabouts here in Hamilton County and you say, I'd like to see the left side once in a while, okay? And you start driving. It would be total chaos, wouldn't it? Or think about a society where parents no longer teach their children that there's anything that is absolute, that there's any truth, that they don't want to impose their, their beliefs upon their children. What would happen if parents refused to teach their children about a God who loves them? About a God who calls his people to follow him and gives them a a guideline called the Ten Commandments to show us what is right and wrong according to his word. What would happen? Well, we would have anarchy. We would have chaos. You see, God loves us so much that he is the God of truth. And he leads us to know the one who is the way, the truth, and the life in his son, Jesus Christ. And even though the the manner in which the message is shared has changed, like today with this amazing technology that we have, the truth remains the same. The one who is the truth, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, What does that say for us? Well, first of all, since Jesus is the truth, we want that truth in our lives. And so we confess our sins and we trust in him as our savior. And even though we live in a world of lies and deceits and and convenient truth that is often centered around me, God still loves us. He still forgives us. He is the one who is the truth. And what does God do? He calls us to simply come clean, to admit our sinfulness. In Psalm 31, David prays, he says, Redeem me, O God, the God of truth. John writes in 1 John 1, verse 8, that if we say we have no sin, we said this earlier in our confession, who are we deceiving? We're deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. But what happens when we come clean? 
when we confess our sins and look to him in faith, it says God is faithful and just. He forgives our sins. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And so as we confess our sins and place our trust in the Lord Jesus, Scripture then says that we walk in the light as he is in the light. And we live in the truth. And we have fellowship not only with him, but then also with one another as the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And yes, even though the father of all lies, the opposite of truth, that's Satan himself, is still on the prowl in our world today, our faith remains firm in the one who is the truth. Secondly, then, we continue to hold on to that truth as found in his word. That's how God reveals his truth. That's how the Holy Spirit works that truth in our hearts, in our lives. In fact, Jesus, speaking to some believers in John chapter 8, said, If you continue in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In one of my uh, undergraduate philosophy classes, uh, I turned in a required paper. And I don't even remember what the paper was about, but I do remember getting the paper back and it had lots, lots of red marks and comments. You probably never had got a paper like that. But I do remember what was written across the top of the page of the paper. The professor wrote, don't insult me with your use of scripture. Well, I refuse to let it ruin my day. Because that's how God continues to work in us and through us. The truth of Scripture, even though we remain somewhat isolated, we're not all back together for worship, we're not back in our Bible classes or our small groups, in our fellowship, even though that's true, God remains faithful as he leads us in the paths of his righteousness by his truth working through his word, the Holy Scriptures. For the truth of Scripture continues to lead us to the one who is the truth, Jesus, and then it becomes that lamp to our feet and a light to our path in his word in in a world that can be so dark. Well, what have we learned today? By God's grace, we trust in the God who is amen, the God of truth. And the God of truth, the truthful God, continues to lead us and guide us as we hold on to him and the power of his word. Jesus Christ is the great amen. And may that great amen, the Lord Jesus, grant you a peace that passes understanding and guards your hearts and minds. And what do people, God's people say after that? Let me hear it again. What do they say? Amen and amen.